I'm proud to announce that this episode is brought to you by Joanna Benefield of Keller Williams Realty of Southeast Alabama. You can reach her at 334-796-7085. Hey there, Don. How are you doing? Good, Sherry. How are you? Doing great. I missed you last yeah. week. So it was just kind of crazy and uh, that third shift always kicks me. So. <laughs> Life takes over sometimes, but it does. Yes, it, it does. Suspense. So now everybody's super yes. excited about this episode. Oh my goodness. Yes. This is uh, researching this episode. Just major ick factor. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever get nightmares? Honestly, do you ever get nightmares from re- doing this research? I have not, but now I am going to admit out of all the episodes that I have researched, things that I have looked into, cases I have studied to do and laid to the side for maybe future, this one right here last night, I had trouble going to sleep. I really did. This one kind of, I was like, oh, this one. I, I was awake longer than yeah. now because of this. Yeah. Thing. Well, and I yeah. live here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I picked this case because I was trying to find a case closer to mm-hmm. you. And I looked at this one a couple of weeks ago and I was like, eh, I don't know. I don't know about this, you know, because everybody will find out when we get into it. But uh, I laid it to the side and then I just, something told me, no, let's just go ahead. Let's go ahead and do it. And I, kept picking up pieces of it and trying to figure out which angle to go with because there's so many factors. It's such a in-depth case. Well, so. you probably yeah. know it way better than I do just a, cause you researched it, but I don't, I don't know if I even ever told you this. I don't watch the news. So it's funny because I don't watch the news cause I find it just too traumatizing, but I will watch murder all night long. <laughs> I don't know what is the matter with my brain, but um, I just, I probably know a lot of the facts and stuff about the story that I do not, because a lot of it for me was hearsay um, from being a hairstylist, people coming and sitting in my chair. And did you hear this? And did you hear that? And so, yeah, I don't, it's going to be interesting for me to hear your, your viewpoint. Okay. That's interesting. Well, are you ready to do it? Hi, everyone, and welcome to Crime Explorer Shack with your host, Sherry Carroll, and my co-host, Dawn. I want to remind you that Crime Explorer Shack is created for mature audiences only. Our show often includes details of true crime cases that some may find disturbing and or offensive. As an extra heads up, many of our episodes involve discussions of depression, psychosis, suicidal thoughts, rape, and murder of children. We do our best to hold these topics with intention and sincerity, and we try to deliver facts of the cases to bring awareness to our listeners. So I feel obligated to put this trigger warning out before the start of our episodes. We hope you'll join us whenever you feel ready and able. I also want to remind you that all of the accused in our episodes are innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. So let's get started with Crime Explorer Shack. Okay. All right. This is the case of Nico Allen Jenkins, the serial killer of Omaha, Nebraska. 
Okay, let's go in this. Like I said, this one just, oh, it sent chills down my spine. Yeah, yeah he's so scary. <laughs> and he looks terrifying. Let me just go ahead and preface this episode with yeah. that. And uh, also, if you are easily triggered, listeners, you don't need to listen to this episode yeah. because there are some nasty, gruesome facts in this episode. Oh, I might have to plug my own ears. Somebody <laughs> <laughs> give me the heads up when that happens. I don't like the blood and guts. <laughs> oh, Nico. Alan Jenkins is one of the most controversial and notorious individuals in America, in American history. Um, he is a spree killer who shortly after leaving prison for a carjacking turned to kill on four people in his defense. He claimed that he was instructed by an ancient Egyptian serpent, God Apophis to carry out his killings and for the crime he was sentenced to death originally. Yeah, so. he's still alive. Yeah, but they went in later and sentenced him to four hundred and fifty years in prison. So I, I don't know. The convicted murderer Nico Allen Jenkins was born on September the sixteenth in Denver, Colorado to David McGee and Lori Jenkins. Um, he grew up later in Omaha, Nebraska. He was always a troubled child. He was abused. He grew up witnessing violence within his whole family. And that's all he knew growing up. One of his earliest memories, he told his psychiatrist, he told prison officials, one of the earliest things he can recall is cleaning up blood from the floor when he was only four oh years old God. from a fight <gasps> that his parents and no four-year-old child should have to witness any violence like this, much less partake in the cleanup oh of a crime God, scene. That's so disturbing. So his life was just abuse and violence. That's all he ever knew. And he has a sister, correct? Yes, he has siblings. I believe it was a family of okay. five. Mm -hmm. So he went on to go from foster home to foster home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. At the age of seven, his path crossed with law enforcement for the first time when he brought a loaded 25 caliber handgun to Omaha's Highland Elementary School, which he oh attended. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Luckily, no one was injured or no one was hurt. By the time he was 11, he had stopped attending school regularly and his violent tendencies became apparent to the authorities. So he was taken away from his mom for a time period and then was later taken to different group homes where he continued his violent tendencies. When in foster care, he spoke to therapists for the first time and there he expressed he had thoughts of suicide thoughts of harming others. He explained that he was hearing voices in his head and these voices were telling him to harm his classmates, to harm others. He actually told one therapist he wanted to shoot his classmates. What age did you say he was? And he, well, one count said that he told the therapist in foster care when he was 11. Then there was another account that said he told a counselor 
that he wanted to harm his classmates when he was eight. Oh my gosh. So I've seen different accounts of eight and 11. At one, the eight year old account was a counselor. At 11 was a therapist when he was in foster care. Mm. So there are flags everywhere. So it was also noted that he was wetting the bed at this time. And the therapist documented that all of this was due to stress and anxiety from his home life. Home life. So just, I mean, really? Trauma. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. So this was the first time that Nico was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And he was only eight years old at that Mm. time. Gosh. So we always hear in all these cases, you know, oh my gosh, where were the signs? Why didn't anybody do anything? Well, here are the signs. (laughs) Here are the signs. You know, they had the court involved. They had social services involved, law enforcement, DHR, foster care system. Yet no one seemed to really you know, take the bull by the horns and do anything about it. He continued to get passed around from different foster homes and getting kicked out because he acted out. They said he was violent and threatening towards other children in the home. It seemed that he lacked love and stability in his childhood. Mm. Well, yeah, I'm sure, you know, the first or second signs of all that behavior in a foster home, they're probably like, uh, no, this isn't working. No. And mm-hmm. I could see where he would just get shuffled around. Mm-hmm. They're like, I don't have to love you because of the way you're acting. You're not my own child. I'm on passion. Right. You know? Yeah. It makes mm-hmm. me feel sad and bad for him, but, but then he turns into a monster. So. Then monster. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At a, age 11, he joins a gang. And that's when he begins to carry a weapon all the time. So at that time, he finds his way into the Douglas County Youth Detention Center. And he pretty much is in and out when he's a Mm -hmm. teenager. When he was 13, he was involved in a number of violent assaults, including his first stabbing. Mm. At the age of 16, he found himself behind bars for an armed carjacking and he was sentenced to 21 years when he was 16 16 years old okay i didn't realize okay go ahead Mm -hmm. yeah so it's worth noting at this time that his time behind bars in juvie was eventful as well i mean this is just like a cry for help in my opinion because of his upbringing Mm -hmm. He was like trying to gain attention and acceptance. He participated in riots. He participated in fights. He assaulted a corrections officer. You know, life behind those bars did not make him any better as he continued to get in trouble. He was, you know, constantly part of multiple prison riots. He attacked a guard at the funeral of his own grandmother. Oh my gosh. And he was part of various gang activities in the prison. Was he around his siblings or parents at all during this, or was he just removed from any family? Um, oh, he was still um, in contact with them and around okay. them. Okay. Know, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, which you will come to find out that's where this whole this was a family affair. <laughs> this whole oh thing God. is a family affair. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, it is not pretty. Um, he he always seemed to try to find some way to gain acceptance from groups and to prove himself to be the tough one or the leader. Out of that 21 years uh, sentence, he only served 10 years. But let's make a, a mental note here. Out of that 10 years, he served six years, six years in solitary confinement. Oh, wow. That's 60% of his time was in solitary confinement. No one, even in the best mental state, should be in solitary confinement. Right. I thought that was like a punishment to put somebody Uh, in solitary, like a punishment for a week or something. I didn't think that was something that they could make somebody do for years. Mm -mm. One stretch, one stretch was two years solid before he was released. Jeez. So why isn't the state conducting therapy or evaluations or some type of medical mental evaluations or treatment? Especially before being released. Before being released. Exactly. That's ridiculous. Way to go, Nebraska. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, any state. I feel like this is not just exclusive to Nebraska. So before his release in 2013, he did undergo a psychiatric evaluation because he was struggling with anger issues, mental health, and he was self-harming. I mean, he'd been locked away in solitary for two years and he had been on 15 minute suicide checks for weeks before he was released. Well, I knew he like he would cut himself and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yes, he had been repeatedly mutilating his face and he told the staff that he wanted to, quote, eat the hearts of men, women and children when he was. Oh, geez. Okay. good luck. (laughs) Bye bye. So knowing all of this, all of this, the authorities release him straight into society from prison. Crap. So. Is this the person we want to just throw right out into society? Yeah. I'm saying no. Yeah, that's awful. <laughs> so, so who who does this evaluation? That's what I want to know. Well, yeah, and that they you can know. sleep at night knowing that they just do this evaluation and then just let the person go. I would not be able to sleep knowing mm-hmm. that somebody was on the streets that was in that. Exactly. And then he went on just two weeks later to to start his killing oh my spree. God. Totally preventable. Totally. Totally. All right. Now, here comes the gross part. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Before he was released, it's documented. Okay. These people documented this before he was released. He was known to drink his own (gasps) urine. And, and prepare yourself. Oh, God. He put, he drank and snorted his own semen. Oh my lord. He claimed that it was nutritional supplementation and it would increase his serotonin levels and he professed that it helped him manage his anger issues. Oh wow. 
Now, they kept him in solitary because he was too dangerous for the main population in the prison and was locked away in seclusion. But let's just throw him out into society to walk around amongst the common people. Yeah, that's insane. Like how... how It makes makes sense, right? Oh my God, don't make it make sense. Wow. Yeah, like where is he supposed to go? Where's he going to go live? And right. Oh my God. Okay. There's one more footnote. (laughs) There's one more footnote. He was released into the population with no parole, no supervision, no check in requirements. Oh, I cannot even believe this. How, how in the world did he slip through the cracks? Mm-hmm. Nico begged them not to release him. Did he really? He he did. Whoa. There's letters that he wrote them asking them not to release him, to get him help, get him, check him in somewhere, do something. He asked not to be released. He asked for help. He asked for counseling, therapy, for something. Nope. Mm. Nothing. Make it make sense. Make it make sense. He even went so far as to tell them, if you let me out, I'm going to kill someone. Oh my gosh. That this is like a terrible movie, like a frightening movie. Mm -hmm. So he was thrown out into society the 30th of July, 2013. So, His family, which is an episode of a podcast in their own right, threw him a release party in a hotel and gave him a unique gift for someone who was just released from jail. His uncle, Warren Levering, gave him a shotgun. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Seems like the perfect gift for someone with anger issues that's hearing voices from an evil Greek god advising of violence, doesn't it? Yes, they keep on giving. Yep. We all know that under normal circumstances, anyone who's served any kind of time for an armed carjacking would not even be allowed to carry a firearm. But, you know, Nebraska Mm -hmm. let him out with no parole, no check-in, no probation, no supervision. So I guess it's all right for Nico to carry a gun. That's embarrassing. It's embarrassing that that it was handled the way, well, not handled. It's embarrassing that it was Mm -hmm. not handled. At this party, Nico tells some people that he wants to go to Florida and commit some robberies and get enough money to go to Cuba and join the forces there to fight against the U.S. And this is so random. And I just threw this in because it shows the thought process of this man and how sporadic his brain is and how sporadic he is. At the same party, he gets in a fight with his wife, Shalonda, because there are other women there. And if you do any kind of research or watch any kind of videos, he has like this following is almost like this oh there's people that are so weird out there that fall in love with psychotic killers i don't understand 
I don't understand it. <laughs> it is crazy, but they just like follow him. And so there were other women there and they were flirting and she said he was too friendly to them. And they just got into this huge fight. So just hold that thought in the back of your brain because it comes up later. Nico and Shalanda met between 2007, 2008. I don't know the circumstances of their meeting and how they got married, but they were married from 2010 to 2017. Okay. So, and she's, she's an episode in her own right too. So, <laughs> <that out there>. <laughs> so Nico is not the only member of his family that has been into some kind of trouble or other. Uh, in fact, almost every one, including his extent, extended family members, have had cases and run-ins with the law. He's um, from a pretty well-known family in Omaha, the Levering family, and they have, for more than 100 years, been involved with drug abuse, child neglect, crime, drug smuggling in, in Omaha. Mm -hmm. His great-great-grandfather, Levi Levering, was a respected and uh, had a high reputation as a tribal leader in the area. However, the face of the family continued to erode over time. Over 38 of Levi's descendants are convicted felons with over 633 crimes and felonies since 1979. Jeez. That's that insane. a lot of crime in one family. Since 1979? Yeah. Wow. Well, I know his sister oh, was like in the news and stuff. I, we might have more than one. Oh, yeah. She was involved in the same crimes he's, he's uh, in jail Yeah, for. I know. She's scary. Yeah. <laughs> she's very scary. I saw the video of her coming out waving like she's a princess. And I'm like, girl. Oh, yeah. The mugshot. He's smiling like she, it's glamour shots or something. He's just like... <laughs> Yeah, smile. Like, oh, jeez. It's scary to get into those heads. Oh, I know. Oh, well, within a day or so of being out, Nico decides he wants to commit some robberies in his hometown for some mm -hmm. money. So he recruits his sister, Erica, and his cousin, Christine, to help him. So they go to a local bar and lure two men to a private location on the promise of sexual favors. So um, Nico's plan was when they got to this private location, he would rob them. So when Erica and Christine go to the bar, they meet Jorge Luez and Juan Pena, and they go to this private location from mm -hmm. the bar. Once there, Nico jumps out and he shoots both men in the head with the gun that he received as a gift from his wow. uncle. Both men died instantly. When the police arrived, it was confirmed that the men were robbed because their pockets were turned out. But it seems like Nico just really had the intention of just killing the two men because the very first thing he did was shoot them both in the head, well, you know? He didn't even try to negotiate or talk to them or rob them first, and he didn't even know them. Wasn't the gun, like, um, a, a shotgun? Like it, a shooting a shotgun, yes. 
the, like the slugs that they yeah. use, wasn't it something that you would use if you were hunting deer? Mm-hmm. It was a high powered. My Lord. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that they died instantly. I cannot even imagine how frightening that must have been. I know it was insane, insane. But I mean, he didn't even try to talk to them. So it was like he just wanted to kill because he right. had a gun. So eight days later, he runs across an ex-cellmate of his, Curtis Bradford. Um, they meet up at a party. There's even pictures um, that was presented later on in court. And I'll post that picture on the Crime Explorers Facebook page and our Instagram page. They seem like they were getting along well. They seem friendly. Nico tells Curtis that he wants to go commit some robberies. I mean, he's all about telling people That's his business. Yes. I mean, yeah. I'm going to all these parties. God, I can't even imagine I being know. a guest at one of these parties. I'd be like, holy crap. He's out. Yikes. So he says, you know, I want to go commit some robberies. And Curtis is like, hey, yeah, I'm down. Nico's sister, Erica, is there and says she wants in as well. So they get in the car. And I don't know who, it's not clear who handed Curtis the gun because neither one of them really owned up to it in their court cases, mm-hmm. of course. But one of them, Nico or Erica, hands Curtis a gun, but it's unloaded. It is not mm-hmm. loaded. They get to their destination and Erica ambushes Curtis. She shoots him once in the head. Jeez. And she is like beaming. She is like just gloating. She is super proud of herself that this is her first kill. She's killed for her brother. Nico is infuriated. I mean, he is pissed. Why? But he is, it's not for what you would think. It is not for what you think. It's not because she killed his buddy, his ex cellmate. No, it's not. It's not for any of that. He's mad. Because she killed him and he wanted to. Oh, my Lord. Wow. So he gets his gun, his shotgun again, and he shoots an already down, dead Curtis in the back of the head with the shotgun. Oh, my God. I have no words. I I have no words. So a passerby. Calls 911 after they saw Curtis's body laying on the side of the road, which, you know, uh, Nico and Erica had already left. And I've not been able to find out why Curtis was the victim of Nico's wrath. But there's been some speculation that there was some kind of friction between Erica's gang and Curtis's Mm. gang. But I've just not found anything definitive of why both Erica and Nico wanted Curtis dead. Yeah, I, mean, I guess I didn't realize that she was in a gang as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So two days after Curtis died, Little Wayne comes to town. Uh, Little Wayne comes in for mm-hmm. a concert. This is where Nico's strange little evil mind sees this as a business opportunity. So he wants to hold up or rob some of the people coming from the concert. But he decides then that he needs a different car. He needs to be riding in style. So Nico, he recruits his sister. 
So Nico, Erica, his cousin, Christine, and guess who? His mm-hmm. uncle that gave him the gun, <laughs> his uncle Warren. They all head to McDonald's because, you know, that's where we go to get a car. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Jeez. I can't imagine the conversation in the vehicle as they are going to do these things. Oh, my God. I know. So they all head to the McDonald's in Omaha. So they're sitting there watching the vehicles go by and they spot an SUV going through the drive through So the SUV belong to Andrea Kruger. So So the the four of them follow her until she comes to a stop at the junction and Nico jumps out of the car and pulls Andrea forcefully out of her SUV in the middle of the road and he shoots her in the face with his shotgun Mm. and then he shoots her three more times. Neighbors call 911 upon hearing the shots. He and his uncle Warren speed off in Andrea's SUV and Christine and Erica drive off following in Nico's car. Andrea was the mother of three children and was just coming home from yeah. work. She was a bar she was a right. bartender. Yeah, I had cousins that knew her. Just it's I mean it was tragic for any of those people to pass, but um, and I hate it when people say, oh, it, it shouldn't happen in that part of town, you know, a wealthier part of town or whatever. But it was a very far removed location from where they were doing their other crimes. It was definitely, mm-hmm. I'm sure the authorities were called immediately because it wasn't an area where you would hear shots. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, the ironic part you know, it shouldn't, none of this should have happened. And this all could have been prevented. That's the, that's the crazy part of this. There were signs. This whole system. Yeah, for sure. Completely failed. But there, this plan that Nico and Warren and all of them had no robberies were even committed that night or that I could find that were linked to Nico and Warren and the others that night. After all of this, after they killed this woman, they didn't do anything. And then there is CCTV footage of Nico's uncle Warren burning Andrea's SUV. They didn't even do anything with it. So they killed her needlessly. Yeah. And just brutal. You know, three kids don't have a mom. Exactly. Exactly. So at this point in all of this, it's not known if the police had even connected all of these murders. It was a 10-day time period, and it's highly unusual for serial killers or murderers to cross gender lines, races, and ages. And this was all over the place. Yeah, I thought that they had said that by the time Andrea was shot, they had quite a bit of evidence gathered that it was Nico or he was somehow involved. Mm. So then the arrest was made not too long after. Oh, that's been mm-hmm. sickening. Mm-hmm. Well, 10 days after Andrea's death was August the 30th and Nico was arrested. But guess what? It had absolutely nothing to do with the murders. Oh, geez. Why did they arrest him? Okay. Remember the release party and the fight with Shalonda? 
Yeah. Okay. Apparently, that same fight, he threatened to kill Shalanda. He also threatened to send demonic forces to Shalanda's mom's house. So she took him seriously, thinking he would come kill her and kill mm -hmm. her mom. And she went and pressed charges. Well, thank God for that. So while in jail, something registers with the police and they begin to think maybe Nico could be the key to these murders because they didn't start happening until he was released from jail 10 days right. before. And also that he said he was going to go out and kill people as soon as he was released. So exactly. that's a tip. So they find some CCTV footage of someone buying ammunition that matches the exact same ammunition that has been used in these murders. And guess who it was? Uncle. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I thought the same thing. Nico's mom, oh, Lori geez. Jenkins. Oh, my God. So they begin to investigate several gun shops and see that she has purchased this ammo from several gun shops in the area. Why would she do that? I'm telling you, it is a family affair. Wow. The dad is in prison for murder as well. McGee, David McGee, he's in prison for murder as well. Oh, my Lord. I'm telling you, remember, there's, there's like, what, 38? Let me go back here. 38 of them. In, yeah, 38 of Levi's descendants are convicted felons. Oh, have their own family reunions right there in jail. Oh, yeah, you haven't got to go anywhere except <laughs> state of um, uh, the state of Nebraska penitentiary. Oh, <laughs> Jeez, I mean, you, you have to find some kind of humor because it's just that's just so ridiculous. Absolutely insane. I'm and that he's still alive. Like that's mm -hmm. frightening to think that somebody that's that. Um, mentally disturbed is alive still to torment himself and probably everybody he encounters. Exactly. So with Nico in custody for the domestic incident with Shalanda on September the 3rd, the police begin to interrogate Nico about all of the murders in the area. This interview lasted eight hours. And y'all, I'm telling you, there is so much footage and video on YouTube. He rambles. He talks about sacrifice and ritual. And it's so random and all over the place. And at first, he denies the murders. Then he begins to blame his sister Erica and his cousin Christine, saying that he provided intelligence and then he says that he did commit the murders, but that he only did it at the direction of Apophis. And once he, once again, he changes the story to say that he only did it to get revenge on the Nebraska correctional system because they should have never let him out, which, yeah. you know, yeah, I agree. really <laughs> agreeing with some psycho serial killer. <laughs> And at several times throughout the interview, he did say, I warned you. Wow. I, war I warned you. And yes, although he did warn them and he did ask for help and the system did fail Nico 
miserably, I might add. Nico does not take any responsibility for any of his actions at all during the interview, nor does he show any remorse. I wonder if the family all just were afraid of him, and that's why they... I mean, I don't know why you'd provide gunshot or bullets or whatever for somebody that you're afraid of, but, I mean, I... I think they're all just crazy. I don't think that that emotions or remorse or sympathy or compassion register with these people. But he's like obviously psychotic and, you know, has a lot of mental issues. But like, what's his sister's excuse? She's going along doing the same stuff. Is she thinking that there's some God that she's doing this for too? And and the dad, he he killed somebody too. Jeez. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And it, you know, watching the confession, the interrogation, it it just made me feel torn because I feel anger at his parents and his whole family for the history of continued abuse and neglect that just trickled Mm -hmm. down from generation to generation and then affected not only their own family, but other innocent people right. that were just living their daily lives. And then we've got children without their, their mothers and their daddies and uh, mothers that were grieving their, yeah. their sons in court. It's, it's, it's a tragedy. It's yeah. tragic. And then it angers me towards this broken judicial system that thinks that solitary confinement fixes everything. Yeah, it's like proven and, it doesn't. And that's like you said, even somebody in their right mind, that that's a really hard situation to be alone with your thoughts for hours on end. And it's like pitch black or something, isn't it? Aren't they in the dark? <laughs> It depends on the system, but I think that they do have, you know, some some light, but uh, I think it depends on the system. But, you know, it, it magnifies their mental illness, schizophrenia, bipolar, and anxiety. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's tragic. And, and then it just really pisses me off that social services did not see more red flags in Nico as a child and place more importance on getting him the help he needed at an early age. I mean, his whole family makeup, his family story, the environment was like the perfect right. storm for a catastrophe. And it all could have been headed Yeah, off. for sure. That was definitely preventable. And, and mind you, I am not advocating and excusing his behavior he needs to be punished for what he did and i'm not justifying anything that he did because he is evil there is no doubt what he did is absolutely wrong and you know he needs to be punished but there's always two sides to every story and everything that i've read is oh you know he cut he cut his tongue he cuts his face he Mm -hmm. does this yeah he does he does all of that. There's something wrong with this right. man. Nobody in their right mind behaves like that. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Wow. So, so um, it's just like the perfect storm for catastrophe. So with all of that, Shalanda went on to tell the courts and 
the news, anybody that would listen, that she believed that the system should be blamed for the murders because she advised that Nico was not ready to be released, and they went ahead and released him anyway. And she said, you know, he's always suffered from mental health issues but got no help from the system. And instead of giving him the help he needed, he was put into solitary confinement for the better part of his 10 years in the prison system. But, you know, Shalonda also shares some things with Nico, including she spent time behind bars. And according to reports, she has face tattoos, much like Nico. And she also pled guilty for felony terroristic threats and resisting arrest and a misdemeanor in 2015. She was also sentenced to three years in prison. <laughs> so some other things about Nico. While he was in custody, he has carved the number 666 into his face, involved with many other self-mutilations. Yeah, what? What was he carving with? I've read that he took a um, toilet bowl cleaner and shaved it down on the wall or the cement floor and made it pointed and used that to carve his face. Oh, my yeah, he also took, I guess, maybe like the same thing or his toothbrush or something or metal off of the bed. And, okay, prepare yourself. Jeez. Mm, okay. He sliced his tongue because he wanted it to look like that of oh a serpent. Oh, my Lord. And it took nine stitches. Ooh. And even worse. In 2015, he sliced his penis to make it look like a serpent. Oh my! And it. Oh my God! The mutilation required 27 stitches. Clearly, there is something wrong with this person. Mm -hmm. Oh gosh! Oh my! Yeah, yeah, and he. He claims, and in the interrogation, you can listen to him rambling about his religion and who's told him to do it. The voices in his head are the result of the ancient Egyptian serpent god that he worships, Apophis. Shalanda, his wife at the time, said that Apophis gives him orders and that Apophis saved him from committing suicide when he was in solitary confinement in the prison. Now, Apophis is the Egyptian god of evil and darkness, and because me being the person I am, I refuse to give way to negativity in my life, and I'm not going down that right. rabbit hole. So this case kind of just like gave me a huge case of the icks, and <laughs> I don't want to open any doors of evil right. and negative energy. So the focus shall remain on what's important, which is, justice and i'm gonna remember who the real victims are here and that's one and uh jorge curtis and Andrea. and and in some ways some ways the child nico because the system failed the child right. when he needed help yeah that's a lot and, uh, that's mm -hmm. a lot now while sitting behind bars, Nico wrote 
a six page letter to the court saying he was not fit to stand trial because of his mental health. And he filed a $24.5 million lawsuit against the state of Nebraska. He said he should not be blamed for the killings and said that the state should not have ever let him out, which I agree. But shouldn't that money go to the victims and their family? Um, You know, it shouldn't go to him. It shouldn't go to his family. That's, you know, crazy. But (laughs) so with the letter, a judge does order a psychological evaluation of Nico to see if he's competent enough to stand trial. Nico had previously been diagnosed with schizophrenia, bipolar, obsessive compulsive disorder. But in this evaluation, that was basically done away with and ignored. They said he was making it all up and he only had antisocial personality disorder. So he was deemed competent to stand trial. And in line with all the other craziness of this story, Nico decided to fire his whole defense team and chose to represent himself. Throughout the trial, he never denied the murders, but only said he was not responsible for them. He said it was the Egyptian god Apophis that was responsible. And that Apophis was (laughs) the Egyptian god Apophis was ordering him to harm others. And he also says these killings were sacrifices. And during the trial, he began to speak in tongues. That's so bizarre. So oh my gosh. It's just, I'm and it's crazy. It is so crazy. I've never delved into anything. This, I, I, it's like you said, like a movie that you can't. It's like a train wreck. You don't want to look, but you can't. Turn right. Back. Well, and when you told me that you were going to do this story, I thought that he had already um, passed. I thought that they, he had the death penalty and he was gone. So I I'm, don't Mm-mm. believe in one way or the other. So I'm not going to get all political as far as that goes. But I just thought that he was already gone. And I was hopeful of that. <laughs> when I saw Nope, he's still alive and kicking. And so is his sister. It's just like, oh, my gosh. It's just how mm-hmm. frightening. Yeah. It was now six years ago. Oh. Um. W-O-W-T, New Six, Brian Messier, said that he got a letter from Nico confessing to three more, to two more attempted murders and one murder. But the police have said that they believe it was just one attempted murder. They can't find anything on the other two. Mm. And that they would... Do some more investigating, but so far he's not been charged with any of those. So that I'm still waiting to find out some more about that I, because none of those have he's been charged with. And it's really not going to matter because yeah, he's, he's you'll find out in 2000, 2017, he was sentenced anyway. On April the 16th, 2014, Nico was found guilty. So all that was left was sentencing. Mm-hmm. And once again, that's where his mental health came into play. People were like, he's not well enough to understand the 
death sentence or be put to death. He didn't know. So with his mental health, do you really want to put him to death? Just let him serve a life sentence, blah, blah, blah. So they battled this for years, Mm -hmm. for years. Um, Then word began to spread about this whole case. Uh, Fascination about Nico and the case gained notoriety basically because of the self-mutilation, the apophis, him carving up his face. Well, it's so grandiose. I mean, and it doesn't seem real. So, of course, that's going to draw attention because people are like, there's no way that that's actually happening. Exactly. And, you know, it was... It went on from 2014 to 2017 is when he finally got sentenced. And it took three judges. They sentenced him to 450 years in prison. 450 years. That's crazy. Unheard of. And so the other members of the family were also convicted on their parts in the crimes as well. His mom, Lori Jenkins, got 10 years for purchasing ammunition for a felon, knowing that he was going to use it in the commission of a crime. Erica, his sister, got life in prison for the murder of Curtis Bradford. Yeah, and then she got into a big fight in the jail. Honey, do you know who she got in the fight with? No. Christine, her cousin. She almost killed her. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Christine got 20 years, but she got it lessened because she snitched on Erica and Nico and her uncle Warren. And that's why she got to fight and almost killed her because she wanted to kill her for snitching. Oh my God. These people are crazy. Yeah, there's just no limits at all. You die, you die, everybody dies. (laughs) Yes. And so the uncle, Warren, got 40 years, got 40 years for the murder, uh, for his part in the murder of Andrea. And um, April 2020, the Supreme Court actually refused to hear Nico's appeal. They were like, no, we're, yeah, we're done. We're not going to hear your appeal. So it's been noted that they were bringing up letters that he had written, statements he'd given the doctors, that even four months before he was released, Nico was telling them he didn't want to be released. Lock me in a psychiatric place. I don't want to be released. And this... All, all these deaths, these robberies, everything. This is all a tragedy that could have been prevented. Yeah, I just don't understand if he was supposed to be in there. Did you say he was supposed to be in there for 20 years and then it ended up? 21 years. Why would, I mean, I've heard of people getting out on because of good behavior. Why would they let somebody Mm -hmm. that's obviously not having good behavior the whole time they're there? And, and so, I mean, this is basically just like they were taken out the trash. They just wanted to be done. Like get him out of here. Yeah. I mean, and not even parole or probation officer or nothing. No supervision. Just just get out of here. We don't want to deal with you anymore. It's insane. 
insane. And this is evil that could have been contained if someone somewhere would have taken a proactive stance and listened. Just listened. That's all it would have taken. I don't I don't get yeah, it. Yeah, I don't either. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's terrible. So and he's he's in there. You know, he's in there for the long haul. And I wonder, oh, is I just, he by himself in a cell? Do you have any? I am sure. Yeah. I am sure. They and somehow occasionally they'll show a picture and his face is all cut up. I don't know. But he does not need to be in solitary confinement. I mean, he they have to do suicide watches on him if he's in there for every 15 minutes. I don't know. I'm surprised that he has not committed suicide. Mm, I know. It's crazy. Mm. Yeah, his sister looked like she was doing well. Oh, yes. Happy by. camper. <laughs> happy, happy. It's crazy how happy she looks in her picture. Oh, no. oh wow. Mm. That is a lot of information, and I did not know 90% of it. So, yeah, it was completely different from what I was thinking it would be. I just thought he was just just evil evil but i did not know the backstory yeah, i didn't either i mean i some of that stuff it is so disturbing you just don't want to know but yeah can you imagine being four years old and having to clean up blood from a crime scene uh your from parents your parents beating the hell out of yeah. each other i just can't if his dad committed murder i mean he could have very well been trying to kill nico's mom Mm -hmm. And he was abused himself as a child and seeing your siblings being beaten. And, you know, we don't know what trauma led to all the bedwetting and stuff. I mean, that could come from just anxiety uh, or it, we don't know if it was sexual abuse involved or what. It's just. It's just a tragedy all the I, way around. It, it really awful. is. It's a, And it just if somebody somewhere would have just stopped and put him in the right home or with the right people. Yeah. This might have been prevented and four lives could have been right. saved. Yeah. Just innocent lives. People just uh, like, especially mom just getting off of work, stopping and getting something to eat. And then to have oh, shot in the face. Good Lord. That's evil, 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 evil. Wow. How do, you, so <laughs> what do we, how do we have a light note at the end of this? <laughs> I, I know. Let's wine. think of something. <laughs> I know. Well, at least we know that he cannot do any harm anymore. And that's, you know, that's the, the good yeah. thing. He's off the streets. And at least Shalonda took a proactive stance to go file the police report or who knows what else. Yeah, exactly. That's interesting, too, how all the chips fall. Thank, thank God mm -hmm. she did that. Wow. What exactly. a story. Exactly. Well, good job on the research, it is. Sherry. That was a lot. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Yes. And now we will turn it and we will do a, uh, a lot note. Um, I am giving, or we are giving away a Dooney and Burke handbag and wallet nice. to one lucky listener. And it does not matter where you live at. We will ship it to you. The uh, rules are you have to go to our Facebook page and 
comment that you have done the steps, what I need you to do is go to go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review and share your favorite episode of Crime Explorer Shack on your Facebook page. And then go to Crime Explorer Shack Podcast on Facebook and click that you've done that on the Dooney and Burke picture. And you will be entered to win. And I will contact you on September the 22nd, I believe, is when we're doing the drawing. And let you know that you've won and get your address to ship it to you. It's valued at $200. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, it's a beautiful purse and wallet. And it's, I can't wait to give that yeah, away to somebody. Like, can I hope co-host just ask me for a friend? <laughs> <laughs> I would want to see a picture of you carrying it, doll. <laughs> no, we'll give it to somebody else. It's fine. No, that's really, that's awesome. I can't wait to see who wins. I know. I can't either. I can't either. So anyway, we're going to wrap this up. So all you listeners, you crime explorers, stay safe. And we will see you next Thursday. Bye, guys.